All right, ready? Here we go. I'm always ready. You do say that all the time. But it doesn't always mean that I'm actually ready. But it, it's not in fact the case. Yeah, there's plenty of examples of me not being ready. Oh my God. TK. Welcome to the show, girl. Welcome to the oh, show, yeah. everybody. Happy Sunday at 12. Wherever Happy you Sunday. Are. Wherever you are. Let's get a different time are. zone. We've so, got... A lot updates? of stuff going on. Yeah, tell What's me. Some, What's going on with on the, the ground updates? Offers. Offers. Showings. Bully offers. Bully offers? It's crazy out there. It's crazy. I put um, three properties up this week for offer dates next week. And each one of them is priced at what I believe is like fair market value. Not like I'm going to price it 200 grand under asking. Have I done that yeah. before? Yeah, I'm guilty. Good but areas. Good areas. I'm not doing it. Bad areas. Nice Scarborough, Mississauga. And so I'm like, all right, let's just get it on the market at the right price. We'll put offer dates there. Make sure we don't sell it to the first buyer and that we protect the seller and get them the most amount of money, drive a bunch of traffic to it and see what happens. All of them have steady showings. All of them I'm getting calls from agents saying, can I bring you a bully offer? All of them are like, bully offer, those please, questions, what's your client's expectations? I know the price is just a price. I'm like, really? Have you checked the comps? I said, this is the price. This is the last sale price. But the market's heating up. So people are getting excited for it. And so I definitely am not trying to pump the market. But like you said that like it's a secret, fact. Secretly, I am. Secretly, that, you are. You know, the reality is that the market's going up right now. And so, you know, I'm not saying that this is a good thing and that this is what should happen, but really it's, it's just what's happening. Buyers are getting excited again and that the overall, the rate predictions on rate cuts this year are getting out of hand. People are really, really, really banking on those rates coming down later this year, which may or may not happen, Joe. Well, this, even even the story in the in the mainstream media has changed with regards to rate cuts. They seem to be getting uh, less frequent and further away. But I, I mean, we keep talking about this. Sorry, well, explain that. Origin a few months ago, they were saying rates are coming, rate cuts are coming really soon, and we're gonna get like like down to four percent in in a few months, right? Or down yeah. to whatever some number. It was it it sounded very um Ro rosy well it's not i guess depending on your perspective it sounded rosy but it sounded like it was like big and imminent and and had to happen and then mm -hmm. what we saw through the pauses is people are going bananas again people think pause equals cut and they're banking on these cuts coming down the pipe and people are going crazy again and people just have not stopped spending money out there i'm sorry like if you go out there is no shortage of people out there doing stuff. So, mm -hmm. so the Bank of Canada, if this continues, if we just hold rates and this continues along the way it's going right now, in Toronto and Vancouver especially, and probably Calgary, Montreal, like the markets are going to take off again. And we're going to leave That's the Bank any of Canada. Rate we're going to leave these guys no choice but to say, hey, like... What are you fucking idiots doing? We're trying to slow down this economy. Can you can you stop for a little bit? But no, people can't stop. Why? They like to live indoors They've in got the, the winter. They've got the money. And That's they the have the line. money. That, the that, got that the money combination. But yeah. the combination of the desire to want to live inside something and having the money to 
fund it is a storm. But not, but not everybody makes six figures. This is but now, not everybody makes six figures. I get it. I get it. And so one of the things figures. that people talk about is this like, oh well, you know, unless things change, unless we have, you know, prices and incomes, you know, go back uh to where they were 30 years ago, we're not gonna have anybody here to work as service workers. We're not gonna have anybody yeah, who's gonna, nurses gonna listen, come from. Listen, I understand. That's that's a wonderful theory, and I get it. Somebody making um, minimum wage or a, a wage that is uh, not enough to be able to supply themselves with their own personal residence will not be able to get their own home, but they're still going to live in the city. They're going to live with family. They're going to live in a, a they're going to rent. They're going to, you know, find a place to, to be able to go. Like I, I get Bad. it. It makes sense. We need to try to get prices down. We need to create more supply. I'm all, I'm all for that. And I'm trying to do like as much as I can on that front uh, by, you know, trying to find some partners to build more houses, but I'm not a builder and I'm not, and I'm only one guy. So for me, I'm probably not going to make a dent in that, in that uh, market and that supply chain whatsoever. But oh. the main thing is this, and even Daryl, you know, he can do 10 projects a year. It's still not enough. Right. So oh. the bottom line is people will find a place to live, that there are going to be options for them to live. It's not what we want. We, oh. yes, I believe a nurse married to a, um, you know, convenience store owner, uh, should own their own home. I don't know. That's sh that should happen. I I believe they deserve their own to own their own home. But what about but, two nurses? You know, two nurses should own their own home. Absolutely, whatever. What about a trans nurse and a cis nurse? Okay, Daryl, stop it. The okay. bottom line is people deserve to own housing. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. But it's just the reality is that well, do they deserve to own in it? a major city? Are not easy for everybody to own properties. But do and they the deserve vast majority of housing it? is owned by people who have owned it for a long time. Some of them have generational wealth. Some of them are high income earners in the top one to two percent, which yes, six figure income, you're in the top ten percent, whatever it is. Is you're, this thing you're, working? You're sorry, <laughs> you're a heavy hitter. Okay. Why but, do they deserve to own? I don't understand. Why don't people deserve just shelter? Like you why is it ownership? Because Why? it's a Canadian dream. People want to own houses. Daryl, it's that time. Again? Do you know what time it is? I know what time it is, but people don't seem to listen. I don't think anybody else knows what time it is. It's time to like, comment, and subscribe. This is the only thing that keeps us going every week. If we don't have That's those right. things, YouTube does something weird, and then we can't even upload our videos. So, guys, like, comment, and subscribe. Please save our channel. Save the channel and save the human race while you're at it. And save don't forget the about the Clips channel, oh, yeah, where you can save the awesome. children. Yeah. But clips channel but know? the dream is a lie and it's a scam and it's been unmasked it's like, i don't hey, think so i don't think it's a scam we Canada's got people moving really... here from other countries our guest a couple of weeks ago and he was able to do it with our, our, our hopeful guest today you know people come from all over the world and they just start buying real estate guess what why are they different from anybody else so i'm not saying like shame on you for not doing it if your dream is to buy real estate find a way to do it if your dream is to help people and be a nurse and that, you know, that's all your focus is and that, you know, your single income and yada, yada, yada. And you got three kids. You may not be able to buy a house, you know, and maybe, you know, and then you may what's not wrong be able that? to buy a condo either. What's wrong with that? You know, go, like a go and enjoy a nice apartment in an older building where there's rent control and live there for 30 years and live a good life. What's wrong with that? You can't get uh, the rent control is only in effect as long as the person that's living there is living there. But the minute that they leave, they get to set the market rent again.
And so a new family coming here that needs three bedrooms, good fucking luck, unless you have money. But then if you have money, why the fuck do you want to rent a three bedroom in some Fakakta building somewhere? It's a real screw up. And on top of the real screw up, TK, is we're finding, we're seeing articles come out this week from some pretty important players saying it's not enough Ontario, Um, Canada, it's not enough. You're not incentivizing enough building. The building permits are plummeting and we we, we need more housing. Plummeting is not the word. Well, 10% month over month. But that's from last month. They said that January was one of the best months ever recorded since 1990 for housing starts. For housing starts from permits that were given when? Well, I don't have all those numbers, Daryl. But right. the bottom line, I is don't that think that, that I believe we're building more now than ever before, and that they are increasing the amount. Of Maybe supply. it's spread out more, but unfortunately, it's not enough. And unfortunately, they're never going to reach those targets. But multi-units are becoming more um, common now, and that there needs to be some incentives to be able to make us work. I mean, we've been talking about this now for how long? Forever. So, but that's the thing is they keep get, so so what what I'm noticing now in my experience is that planning is actually trying to get more units out into the system and they're trying to come up with more ways to to help the developers and to make it a little easier but planning is but one department in yeah. the beast and the rest of the departments seem to have found lots of ways to figure out how to slow the process down again. Yeah. And and so we we end up in maybe even worse than before because like we've talked about we've got projects that are kind of on hold cuz they can't launch cuz sales aren't there, but we've also got projects that have been put on hold so that they can redevelop them and get more density. And, and and what we've also seen is a lot of bankruptcies from the environment that have taken future uh, stock off of the market, right? And so we've got all these factors that while they're trying to get more on the market, everything going on right now is actually decreasing the amount of inventory coming on the market sooner. It might increase the amount of inventory that can come on each parcel of land, but it's pushing it out even further. And then if we've got housing starts though, that are still near record highs for the month of January since 1990, I I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that entirely. I'm not saying it's not true that there's going to be slowdowns and that we could be getting double what we're doing. But I still think that there's a lot of people who are using the tools in order to be able to create more housing. I mean, that's what that's what the housing starts um, show, in my opinion. Sure. And so while they're trying to incentivize purpose built rentals, I don't know that we're seeing much more of that coming online. Right. And I don't think that the incentives have been enough to really spur on uh, much growth, if any. So, so we have a, like a serious, serious problem that's actually getting worse while, while seemingly the articles and even probably the experiences of other developers, like I know I've experienced dealing with planning and it seems to be much better now, but then it's the outside stuff. A lot of people are really bitching about this hydrant flow test right now. If you just take my site into consideration with this one stupid test that just can't be done right now till 
April, or you can't even book it until April for some reason. They can't even have a booking department there. I'm ready to apply. Okay. So now I'm just sitting around waiting and my interest doesn't sit around and wait. Right. Mm -hmm. So just by sitting around for three months, do you understand what that does to the bottom line? And, and so where does that go? Right. Because at the end of the day, we're all fighting for some kind of a margin, some kind of a yield on our projects for our investors, like like any rental unit, like any unit coming on the market. Like how how, how does it work when the city and this is just one thing that literally is going to add 300 grand or take away three hundred thousand dollars from the project. Right. That's mm -hmm. just one thing. And then if you add all kinds of other stupidities onto things, the, the amount of money spent that could be used in so many better ways is just like poof into the ether. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. But I think you're, you know, because you're dealing with it right now, you're like, everybody's got this water flow test issue. But like, I'm sure that there's plenty of guys who are still doing a ton of planning. And that they're not all in the same position as you where they're like 100% done and just waiting on this water flow test. I'm sure there's a few guys and you can find them and you can talk to them. But, you know, like, I think it maybe just feels that way. Well, when, but okay. When you, when you look around. But assuming it's not just me and that yes. it's just affecting a few other people that also had similar circumstances, which it, they just shut down bookings in November. Okay. And then they don't open up again until April. So, I mean, imagine how many other people could be in the similar situation. How many hundreds, if not thousands of units are just waiting? Yeah, because the market's not there. Test. The pre-construction market there, everyone's building condos, right? We we know that. There's, no there's people building. out there. They're, what I'm trying to say is they're not doing the purpose-built rentals because the incentives aren't there yet. But the condo market, like pre-construction, nobody's buying that stuff. So anybody who's saying, well, you know, geez, I need to, I need to launch. Why can't I go to get my application here? The market's just not there yet. And that, you know, I don't think that that market is going to be coming back anytime. I had a client tell me yesterday because he's in rentals and I'm hoping that we're going to talk about uh, rentals today a lot, which is, um, did we get a guest or no? I think she's going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the long-term or um, the housing market. So with like landlord tenant board and all that kind of stuff there, which is just absolute insanity. On okay? top of the insanity. absolute, absolute insanity being a, being a landlord in Canada, there's a few provinces that are half decent, but basically BC and Ontario, you're, you know, up the Creek without a paddle. Um, and people want to get out of the um, rental market. And I had a client say to me, I should get into the pre-construction condo investing. People want to be in yeah. real estate. They want to be in real estate and they want to have some sort of skin in the game. They want to be able to talk to their friends about I'm investing in real estate. I made money in real estate. They know and there's people out there who've made millions in real estate and they just want to have their share. Right. Sure. Yeah. Well, but there's the inverse. Like, did you see the news? Did I send you this article? The uh, bankruptcy in Brampton, a giant a three tower site in Brampton just went into receivership or maybe it went in a few months ago, but the article just came out about it. Did you hear about that? No, it's another one. So it's a Brampton. It's a thousand units, three tower site in Brampton. Nice yeah. piece of property. And it's a company called U Developments. And so 
the article just goes on like any other article and it says, hey, you know, these guys went bankrupt and blah, 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 blah. And that's that's it. They did this project and they did this project. And so I'm doing a little bit of research on, you know, who owns this company and what the deal is. is and as I'm doing my research, you want to hear what I find, TK? Because this is interesting. It's, interesting. it's actually really interesting. And yeah. what's more interesting is that nobody else is saying anything about this. It's, it's hard to even find anything on it. So U Developments, it's a guy named Madi Tajbakish, something like that. Sounds Sorry like if I butchered it. I'm sure that's perfectly yeah. pronunciated. Um, the guy is a part-time professor at Dalhousie University. Okay. He, he has a, a doctor of philosophy from U of T. And he has a degree in industrial engineering. Okay. Smart guy. Seems like a smart guy, right? Yeah. Somebody that you would seemingly trust with your money, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Educate. And then, well, add on top of it, because this is the best part. If I was going to invest, this is the part that seals the deal with me, because I never heard of you developments. But it turns out, TK, that he's the co-founder and partner and the vice president of a company called Mizrahi Developments. Oh my God. Oh my God. So I'm going through this article and I, I call up their website, U Developments, and I'm looking at yeah, it. I'm going, which is sorry, just to everyone, let everyone know listening. That is the same developer for One Bloor. One Bloor. And they yeah. also went into a receivership on another property. I forget which one it is, somewhere in Yorkville. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's a deck of cards. I got a feeling that's just house uh, of cards for, falling for up, those apart guys, all definitely. over the place, right? Yeah. House of cards. Thank you. Um, so, but it turns out that he was part of Mizrahi Developments and now he's got, I guess, his own company. But on the website, he puts up these two properties and I'm like, these look really familiar. I should go check out Mizrahi's site and right. And they're on Mizrahi's site. And so this guy's out here. He's positioning like he's done all this stuff and he's got these properties and he's got this other one in Bronte out in Etobicoke or uh, mm. Oakville, I guess it is, Bronte Road. Yeah. And, and so this one is just under application. So literally the guy's done nothing, okay? And somehow he manages to get this property with a VTB from the owner out in, in Brampton, right? Yeah. And it's like this, I guess he learned from his ex-partner. They came up with this way of doing development together that doesn't quite lead to units on the market, at least quickly and painlessly. Or profits. Or profitably. I mean, if you, you you'd imagine that they've made some money along the way. Yeah. Right, they live the lifestyles like they've made some. They money got the way. yeah, they've got the you know investors' money. This is the Ponzi scheme of real estate investors. I don't think that they're bad people. I really don't. I think that they all are intending to make money. They have some good ideas. They maybe get lucky a couple times. They make investors' money, but then reality hits, and so it's you know rob peter to pay paul type of mentality it's like okay let's raise some more money here let's get another project let's get some more financing let's, sure and they keep on borrowing and borrowing and borrowing going. trying to be able to make things as you know you know keep hang on to the ship as much as you can hey hello Trang, how Hi, are guys. you <laughs> welcome nice to you. the show Thank welcome you. welcome well, nice so, to meet you. Trang, yeah, nice to meet you. I know you through uh, Zach and, uh, you know, we talked highly mm -hmm. of you and uh, I wanted to, you know, get someone on the show who's out there active doing some, 
deals and seeing what's going on in the real estate investor world. So yeah, and give us a little introduction. Hi guys, my name is Trang. I'm a real estate investor uh, specializing in the Burr method and short-term rentals. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me in the show. I'm really excited to be here. Cool. Awesome. So the Burr method, which is it's uh, the only method. Is there another method? Is there another method? You know, like yeah, there's, what does it stand for again? Uh, Rinse, buy, repeat, rehab, raise, rent, refinance, and repeat. So the repeat aspect is that how can you, you know, invest your money to do renovations and pull it as much out as possible so that way you can rinse and repeat in a more um faster speed yeah Inf rinse infinite returns exactly when we were flipping houses the burr strategy was just your backup plan you know you renovate you make it all nice you're like i'm gonna flip it and make hundreds of thousands because i saw daryl do it on hgtv and i think i can do it too and then you were like oh never mind i'm not gonna make any money and so then you go and you refinance it and you're like, wow, you know, the bank thought it was worth more money yeah. than the market did. And then you have some extra cat cash to, to, to take it out. But definitely over the last few years, the Burr strategy has been so, named and popularized. So the Burr strategy is so amazing during the economic downturn because you can control how much value you can add and you can buy equity on the buy. So for instance, if you were to traditionally buy a, a, your primary residence, you would have to wait into the market kind of uh, ride the waves of the appreciation mm -hmm. uh, or at least wait till the end of your mortgage term to refinance. That's what the traditional sort of like people would do or invest in pre-construction versus the burr. You can find a property at 40 to 60 cents on the dollar, but you would have to put maybe wow. 20 to 30 cents on rehab. Mm -hmm. And then um, you know, you can control how much value you can add by strategically renovating the property. And then once, like TK said, you go back to the bank and say, hey, this is worth more. And you can do it in a span of uh, I did one project in two months or within a year mm -hmm. and you can refinance and pull all your capital that you invested out because you were able to control the value that you're added to that project. If that makes that's, sense. That's absolutely yeah, and 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 that and you and you described it perfectly. And I think a lot of our listeners will have a good idea, but there'll be some people who don't. And maybe we'll we'll dig into maybe a, a deal that you've done recently to to highlight how that works. But I just want to say something because you mentioned about investors being uh, also buying their own principal residence or or pre con um you know condos or houses. To me, that's not investing. To me, that's you know you're just buying real estate and you're speculating that the market's exactly going to yeah. So I the agree. Burr method is a legitimate um formula for investors and you know buying it at the right price matters knowing your renovation knowing your market having the financing in place all that kind of stuff is the only way that it's going to actually work and so it's not like any property can be bird or any you know yeah. um area can can be can be bird but the bottom line well I guess any area could if you bought it at the right price but and not every property could the bottom line is you can do it in any market because it's a strategy and that it can be applied to um whatever conditions you're in i'm interested in in learning a little more on how you find the 40 to 60 cents on the dollar properties where are oh, these after repair value 40 to 60 percent after repair value yeah 
So how we do that is building a relationship in the market that we in. So what we do is we focus on a market we know that works well and we rinse and repeat, but we also, uh, you know, focus on that primary market and double down. So the key uh, to our success of finding deals is partnering with slumlords. Sorry, I don't mean to. <laughs> Sorry, slumlords. I mean, slumlords. human beings Hang who are on. great at doing their job. Sorry. I mean, slumlords. Sorry. Making profits. Profit centers. There is a market, there is a slumlord market, unfortunately, Underworld. but you um, were talking about the previous generation of investors who uh, inherit properties from their fathers and their grandfathers. And they're like, I'm good. Like I've made so many money, much money. I've refinanced this property X amount of times. I'm not putting any more money into these properties, right? So that is where the opportunity comes for value add, because let's just say, you know, back in the day, South Oshawa or Hamilton, there's a, there was a lot of opportunities for value add, right? Mm -hmm. But now everything's already been renovated and bird. So there's mm -hmm. no, there's less opportunities there. So that's kind of like how we do it. We manage those relationships and then these slumlords have large portfolios so being leveraging our relationship with them, we're able to sort of, uh, you know, go shopping, you would say, you know, like uh, handpick and specifically plan out when and what we're going to buy per year. So that way it's more of a strategic plan versus just trying to look on MLS and fight for deals with like a hundred other investors. So that's our competitive edge. Yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, can you find deals on MLS? Yes, there are opportunities out there. There's different things. But for the most part, you got all those fees built in, those nasty realtors taking out their percentages. You got the premium that, you know, it's being on the market. So now other buyers might be willing to pay more where, you know, there isn't yeah. going to be that same sort of um, opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I believe that wholesaling or having properties bought at wholesale prices coming from people who don't want to maybe put it on the market. Give me give me why why a slumlord wouldn't want to put their property so, on the market. So we've already uh so the what yes, the reason why is because a uh there may be problems with the the property. For instance, uh we buy problems and that's where the discount comes in. They're like, okay, there's a non-paying tenant, okay? Or there is mold or some like a fire or something really catastrophic, something horrible that a, a traditional Murder. new investor would not even want to touch because it's very, you know, capital intensive for us. We are not scared of those problems. And that's where we're able to find those um, hidden opportunities. And I love that you said that, you know, we don't, we, we deals can be found anywhere, whether you're looking at MLS, talking to your uncle, talking to uh, a handyman, but for us, it's um it's buying problems. Seeing the opportunity, like if someone just passed away, we're like, who's the owner? Let's just go get that property. Uh, you know, we'll talk to everyone and anyone. Two deals, for instance, we got from our drunken handyman. Like he was like, hey, guys, uh, we got a deal for you. You know, like he we see an opportunity. <laughs> that was a good impersonation. Yeah, I was laughing. <laughs> so great. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I love the honesty. And as I'm listening to you, I mean, listen. I, I look I buy off market properties all the time. The yeah. honest to God truth is that yeah, if you hear that somebody died, like this Sorry. is an opportunity. <laughs> I, I just love that you're saying it out loud and you're not giving a shit. This is fantastic. And I gotta say, like the slumlord angle, when I first heard it, I was like, hmm. But now, like the more I think about it, it's like this is a treasure trove of potential here. This is this is actual brilliance. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. 
Yeah, Trang, walk us through a deal. Let this is people, anybody listening right now is just like, all right, give us a deal. Yeah. Maybe you can give us a grand so, slam. You can give us a, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so for instance, um, you know, uh, one of the first burrs that I ever did, it was a single family house uh, in a tertiary market in Cornwall. Cornwall. <laughs> yeah. It's a good market. Do you know Cornwall? Okay. Um, it's We believe it's up and coming, but anyways. So it, it was, was called the armpit house. of Ontario for a long time, but <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe yeah. people should just stay away from Cornwall and focus Cornwall, on yeah. Toronto pre-construction condos. Okay, carry on. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So oh. the first property was my very first spur. I didn't know what it was. This is my kind of like um, you know, going through the process and learning. So we bought it uh as sort of like an equity in the buy. So the beauty of equity in the buy is like you don't need to put a lot of renovations into it. You kind of go in, do some lipstick rentals, and then you refinance, right? So the first deal, it was during the very first interest hike where the market was silent. Like no one was buying, people were dropping their prices. I think it was late 20, no, 2022. Middle of 2022, yeah. Yeah, at, and to the very fall. So, um, so you know, we were trying to finance this property. However, there was the banks were saying, no, it's a tertiary market, no. So they were like mitigating all sorts of risk, right? So because of that, I'm like, you know what? I have enough HELOC. I'm just going to pay cash. So we went in cash uh, with this deal. We got it for $180,000. It only required $10,000. Sing single family? Sorry, single what? family house. Okay. Right. So we went in, we put some paint, pot lights, very basic, and then we refinanced. So within a month and a half, we got the appraiser out and it was um, fine appraised at 260,000. So we had just sort of put only 10,000 in and then now we we increase it by, you know, $70,000 in equity without doing anything. And then I turned so you got it into like a $210,000 mortgage roughly. Yeah, so totally your cost Exactly. What year was this again? What year? 2022. 2022, okay, yeah. So your well, cost of 180, was... that was the initial purchase price, closing cost $10,000 uh You can buy a house uh, in Cornwall in 2022 for 180? <clears throat> you can still do it now. If you buy we're right. Still, yeah, we're still doing it now. So, so that, so that one, so after, like you said, TK, uh, 210 mortgage, however, it's still cash flowing about two to $300, but we said, you know what, let's just, just do short-term rental, you know, mm -hmm. furnish this thing, spend $10, $10,000 on furnishing and turn it into a short-term rental. So it's been almost a year, exactly a year since I closed that property and on long-term rental it was doing, you know, let's just say. We can rent it for two thousand a month, right? Cash flowing two three hundred bucks a, a month. Exactly, but short term yep. rental we did forty six thousand dollars in a month in, in the last year. No, no, in, in the year. Yeah, in a year. So four, so so almost four grand a month plus some extra expenses. Yeah. So you're probably anywhere like twelve thirteen hundred bucks a month cash flow. Exactly. To two, two to three hundred. So bucks. anywhere from a thousand to yeah. you know fifteen hundred and plus during peak yeah. season. So. Instead of going from 200 to 300 cash flow, now we've grown our cash flow exponentially. And it's a self-sustaining business. Uh, it's four hours away. I manage it from Toronto and remotely. I only mm. spend maybe, you know, like 10 minutes a day managing it. It runs nice. itself. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. Cool. So that's so a hold deal. On. Are, that's... are you allowed to do Airbnb still in, in that scenario? Yeah, Is that absolutely. still kosher? Okay. So they wow. don't really care about it yet. So we're just hoping and praying that, you know, 
So, but it still works if Airbnb or short-term rental is not part of the formula on that one. And it cash flows two, 300 bucks a month. Exactly. So we only yeah. buy properties that work on the Burr method that cash flow on long-term rental. So anything above and beyond is gravy. And the best part is it's infinite return. You got the money back. You refinance, you paid off your HELOC, paid off your renovation money, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And now yeah. it's just, that's an income for you. And then you go and do it again. Yeah. So three, three months after we refi, I got all my money back and more. And that's the first time I had a taste of the Burr method. I was like, I just got a free house in you know, two to three months. Yeah. And now it pays me, like you said, infinite return. I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. And then as time goes on, you know, you got a mortgage, you're paying down, you're building equity. You know, there's another refinance, you know, five to 10 years down the road where it's all tax-free money. Guys, thanks for watching today. If you haven't yet, drop us a like, comment, and subscribe. Hit the bell and be like Don. You know, get another YouTube account and double subscribe. Double subscribe you know, like Don. You're telling everybody else to subscribe. Well, have you double subscribed? D is for double subscribe like Don. Yeah, like, comment, subscribe. I'm double subscribed. Do it yourself. Didn't get to fix the show, though. Didn't get to fix the show. Please subscribe. And well, so hold on a sec. I'm still stuck on 180 for a house in anywhere close to here. In Do you know where Cornwall is? Any tertiary market still. like that, like and you go out there and like, you know, they're far. It's not like you can buy a house in, in Belleville or Peterborough or, uh, you know, one of those places where people go to often. These are like places like nobody from Toronto goes to often because it's like far. It's like, you know, it's like a you got to spend the night. Yeah. 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 So, 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 town. so, so yeah. I mean, it might manage itself, but I have is are there partners involved? Like who's splitting the two, 300 bucks at the end of the month or whatever's left at the end of the month. And then like, just in my head, I wonder like, is it worth it? Uh, yeah. You own the house. And I mean, how much is it going up in Cornwall for God's sakes, even over 20, 30 years so, is going to. I'll give you an example, right? Perspective. So for instance, if you were to spend a million dollars in Toronto, let's just say you buy a duplex in Oshawa or whatever. It's uh, it's gonna be how much a duplex in Oshawa costs a million well, dollars. Now? My friend just sold it, like he bought it for a million. He sold it for like seven fifty. Anyway, so just Boy, gonna be an example, that's right? Funny. So you, <laughs> you should I know, have been it's... buying in Cornwall. Like, <laughs> Sorry, no. holy shit, he dummy. screwed up. Yeah, I had yeah. to laugh about that, but so I I want to put things into perspective. You're comparing two markets, right? So just. I'm going to use a million dollars for our arbitrary numbers. A million dollars in Oshawa, maybe you get like a, a nice house that it's a legal duplex, right? The rents would be 4,400 and you have two people paying down your mortgage. And maybe Oshawa appreciations like 10 to 15%. I don't know, TKU, you should know, or versus, versus spending a million dollars in Cornwall. You can get four duplexes. You can burr them. You can pull your money out within a year and you have eight people paying down your mortgages, yes, the appreciation may be like two to 5%, but two to 5% times four, that equals to Toronto. So now imagine $4,400 rent or $12,000 rent each month you're getting, right? So if you could, if you look at the the value and the, the magnitude and the speed of uh, uh, velocity of how fast you're able to pay down your mortgage and multiply it in scale, you can actually, you know, it's comparable to Toronto, but the value is so much 
higher. If that more, makes sense. more, more importantly, like the appreciation is really powerful, especially when you've leveraged on that million dollar duplex, $800,000 of the bank's money. So appreciation, it's hard to compare Toronto with Cornwall, but the bottom line is those duplexes are, are cash flowing and that yes. duplex in Oshawa is not. And so that's the thing is you can't scale in, in, the, in the GTA. You have to be in an area where you've got cash flow and that there's yield. And there's very few markets, I think, in uh, Canada that really have yield that makes sense. Even, you know, our, our friend uh, Daniel Foch, he talks a lot about Cornwall buying. So uh, and Daniel's a smart guy. And so obviously, you know, he's running numbers out there. There's very few markets, I think, are, are in Ontario um, that, that do work. I want to talk about some other different things here because there's a lot of stuff. We're going to take heat in the comments. Anytime investors are talking about making money in real estate, everyone's like, boo, you're you know, never going to work and the market's <laughs> going to crash 70% Greedy, and we're going to lose everything. So just prepare for that when you read the comments, okay? I'm just letting you know, Trey. All right. But, but uh, tenant management, right? So Airbnb, I mean, there's no landlord-tenant board. So that's awesome. Um, but what about other tenant issues and stuff like that? You know, like there's tenant problems. We got a landlord tenant board issue in Ontario. So how is that a risk that you mitigate? So for short-term rental, they're there for, you know, um, the maximum a month and they leave, right? So as long as, um, you know, usually we vet the tenants that are coming through our property. So the, A, they have to have a good standing based on other reviews from other hosts. So then there's a very tight-knit community that we sort of look out for each other. So if someone leaves a mess or damages the property, you know, um, we want to, you know, ensure that other hosts would be honest enough to give an honest review to the guests that say, this is not the profile of a short-term rental guest that we should keep in our community. So because of that mentality, we try to protect each other. So that's one screening. Second screening is if they're bringing a, a pet or anything, or if they have a long-term stay, we take a deposit. So let's just say, they pay for their stay. And if it's a long-term stay, we take a de uh, damaged deposit. Or if they bring in pets, we take a deposit. So that way, for the most part, the customers who are willing to give a deposit, they're very, very good guests because they're like, I want my money back. So they're very like cautious to the point where they'll be like, look, there's a dent in the wall. I'm, I'm, I'm showing proof that it's not me, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes that sort of like accountability. And then thirdly, um, sometimes we also sign a lease with them, a short-term lease. If they're staying for beyond 30 days, we want to ensure that, hey, you're here to visit. You don't live here. You don't live in Cornwall. So the majority of our guests, if there's a red flag, would be someone from Cornwall saying, hey, uh, booking the same night. Hey, I just want to come by for a party or, you know. So mm. uh, for that is a high risk for us. And in that case, we have the ability to reject that guest. So we do a, a vigorous screening. But short-term rentals too, though, I mean, you can just like they're, they're, the tenancy laws don't cover them, right? So Residential Tenancies yeah. Act don't cover them. So you can just be like, send in the police, like get out of my yeah, house. Yeah, we can send in the police. But, yeah. um, that's but what, about long -term? what about long-term? What about long-term? Long-term? Yeah. In like, have you had long-term rentals where you've had issues with tenants? Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> we always do. Right. And so like, how do we navigate that? Because I think that's the fear. I had a client call me. We're, well, we've been talking for a while, but yesterday we talked and it was, I'm getting out of the uh, rental market. I'm going to sell my rentals. And then he's talking about pre-construction. I was like, whoa, let's slow down a little bit here before he, you know, got yeah. excited. But Give my number, the, the, the long-term uh, rental issues that landlords face in Ontario right now are insane. Like I'm in all the landlord groups reading so two years to get your eviction. Yes, like my... it's just insane. 
So dumb. yeah, so my friend, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 very tough right now, especially in the GTA. Um, you know, as we know, there's like still eight months or so wait. Mm -hmm. Um, my my friend actually just had her hearing, and she waited for a year, and she was forty thousand dollars in rent arrears. And, in the GTA, um, yeah, yeah, and uh, they threw her case out because there was a typo on the application, so she was so upset. And yeah. I I hear these stories all the time. So for yeah. us, I think we do we do face Crazy, those right? challenges oh, in Cornwall. Yeah. Another year. What was the typo? Do you know what what the actual typo was? I have no idea. Like how, <laughs> how fucking stupid is that? That you could get you could wait that long, get that fucked, and on top of it, the 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 system fucks you a little more right at the end. Yeah. Right? What yeah. is this? Reapply, shit? reapply, what case and dismissed. Then how long do you, does it take to get the next scheduled hearing, right? Because of the typo. And then imagine how many typos have got through their cracks, for God's sakes. Like, that just seems absolutely unfair and ridiculous. Did, has this person, like, been at the tribunal before? Pissed off a judge or something? Yeah, it's been a long, long process for them. And I just feel so bad, at, you know, that they're going through it. But for us, like, we've had tenants that don't pay didn't pay um i could give you an example there was a bed bug problem <laughs> that likely the tenant brought in well we don't know but we, you know we were obviously diligent and brought out the pest control eight times but after the eight times they still claim hey i'm not paying and mm -hmm. they were in cahoots with each other so um yeah they, they didn't want to pay so it was an unfortunate event but that's just, that's the nature of the investing world, right? However, like if you build your portfolio to enough um, scale that if you have, let's just say, you know, the, you know, we understand our tenant profile in Cornwall now, and we've sort of migrated to a very, uh, a better tenant profile that we can sort of um, anticipate these problems. And we kind of pivoted our tenant profile. And since then, it's been a lot more successful. I'm I'm going to give you my <laughs> ideal tenant profile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. New Canadians. All right. Yes, newcomers. Those guys will make sure they pay the rent. They don't want to go to tribunals. They don't want to have their name anywhere on any paperwork that involves the government. They're trying to get permanent residency. Okay. Rent to newcomers. This is the best person to rent to. And so Agreed. people have yeah. all, I have jobless, old, like, right. Jobless new newcomers. No Not jobless. No and show income. Good jobs. Like they got, they've just How come new. here, they've just arrived, they've been transferred from another company, they don't have maybe Canadian credit yet, but they've got a good income, or they are going to like have a bunch of people living in one space, whatever it is. Bottom line is, Daryl, those guys don't cause problems. When you get a 40-year-old Canadian guy who's still <laughs> renting a two-bedroom apartment, you're- a sketchy you know and like why is yeah. that guy still renting an apartment when he's been yeah. here his whole life and had these opportunities what is he doing with his spare time that's all i'm saying i'll leave it at that mm. so these are this, these are my ideal ten tenant profiles yes ideal tenants are everywhere yeah yeah so going into going back into just some of the landlord tenant you know negotiations and stuff like that when yeah. you look at the toronto market the um, delta between what that tenant's rent is and what they have to go and pay elsewhere is huge. So mm -hmm. when you get someone who's been there for years and they're paying 1500 bucks and now they look at, they got to pay 2800, they go, Oh my God, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have to go do this and, or I can't pay it anymore or, or whatever. There's, there's a different mentality. Whereas in Cornwall, it's like, Hey, listen, man, I need you to leave. 
I'm going to give you two months rent. Here's two grand. You're going to go and find a place for like 900 bucks down around the corner. Like just <laughs> get it. Market. So right. And go, here's, here's a list of apartments I can give you with my slumlord friends. And yeah. so it's easier to burn those markets because it's easier to get tenants out. We're right now in Toronto, no joke. So when we're buying apartment buildings, the, um, uh, on the performa for the for the investor who's going to buy to try to reposition the asset, it's thirty thousand dollars. So if he's got ten units, he'll say, "I need to put aside three hundred grand to be able to buy out those tenants' leases." And some of them may not agree to it, but that's what he's budgeting for. Yeah. Yeah. Now and you've got this whole push in the media where people are talking about tenants holding the the owners hostage cash for keys right mm -hmm. and and they're talking like you're saying what put aside 30 grand, 30 grand per, per door yeah. yeah and people yeah. are holding them up for a hundred grand or yeah. just crazy numbers because yeah. now everybody gets it now everybody goes hold on a sec there's a lot of money being made here yeah. i have rights so pay me yeah. right I, I don't want your 30 grand i'll take 300 grand and what do you do? So, but this all sounds horrible, right? This all sounds horrible being a landlord in this province, if not this country. So why, and why here, I, I know you find stuff that works and makes money, but four hours away, I mean, you may as well take a flight somewhere because that's not yeah. like, okay, I'm just going to Cornwall now. I got to go deal with yeah. something, right? Yeah. Like that's a whole plan now to get to Cornwall to deal with something. So why not Calgary or why not Saskatchewan, which we've had on the radar for years here and we've done nothing. Missing opportunities. Billionaires already in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Cornfields. But why Cornwall and not somewhere else? Where, where they're more favorable. <laughs> Forget about stories. Let her talk, Daryl. Let her talk. Ask questions. I'm trying to so, make a point. Why not in the States where it's more favorable or yeah. somewhere where the, the laws are more favorable to landlords? I love your question, uh, Daryl, because I've explored the States. I've explored Edmonton, right? So what it comes down to it is knowing your market, knowing the connections in that market to continually to get deals, uh, double down, finding the value and, and having a power team, right? So I can go anywhere. I can go to Barcelona. I can go to Vietnam and invest and be like, oh, this is so cheap. Uh, cash flow is amazing. My friend, I'll give you an example, okay? My friend recently did a flip in Detroit, okay? My best friend. <laughs> and I'm like, why don't you just throw your money in Cornwall? I have a power team. I've done this 13 times. Like we can do this in our sleep. We know the formula, like whether even if it's interest rates or loan to value, anything adjusting in that we cannot control, we are still profitable. It's very safe. Even though the LTB is a concern, we have a formula, we have a tenant profile that works for us. And the delinquency is like less than 10%. So um, throw your money at us. She's like, no, I'm going to go to Detroit. I'm going to you know go to this brand new market that is cash flowing. There's so many deals. So... She ended up go flipping a property and she bought it for really cheap. The numbers look super juicy, like even better than Cornwall. However, she got robbed twice. 
So, <laughs> like robbed. So, please explain. So, in my head, I'm sure. thinking gun, gun he, point. You know, at, she's like, obviously long distance investing. You know, you find a property in Detroit, and you know numbers look juicy. Everything looks good. Um, obviously, you know the lend lenders are very lenient. They fund all the money for you. Everything's been great. She finally got her uh, GC in. They final finalized the. She paid for it. They finished the renovations, about to get the inspector to come out to release the funds for the, from the lender. She's like, oh, my uh, water heater, my furnace, all the appliances, my tiles, they're all missing. My electrical has been pulled out. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> holy it's crap. Detroit. Didn't she know? I didn't she watch the movies? You know, she took the investor course, one of those like coaching investor course, let's invest guys, let's go. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. So three weeks later, I call her I'm like, hey, what's going on? What's going on with the robbery? She's like, oh yeah, we're, we got another GC in because the first GC ran off. It took the money and left. Second GC comes in and trying to fix the little, you know, finishes, right? The 10% that's left. And she's mm -hmm. like, we got robbed again. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god. god. And she's like, the place is super cute. I'm like, what about the neighborhood? Did you not bet the neighborhood? She's like, no, I thought it looked good. I'm like, it's the GC. Oh, it's the GC. It's the GC set that up for sure. Stealing he's everything. So he's bringing it buddies. there and then stealing yeah. it and then so bringing the it back. So, Daryl, to answer your question, you know, the example is that yes, you can have all these amazing, the numbers look good, the lenders are amazing. Um, it's fast and there's, but then at the end of the day, you don't have a power team. If you don't have somebody you trust that can execute the project, they can run off your, your money or mm -hmm. rob you in her case. Um, so you know what I mean? So that's another example of like having a power team. It's so important. So does your power team include someone like, did you see that video that's gone around viral on TikTok of the landlord with the chainsaw cutting down <laughs> the door? Have you seen that, TK? No. But you I'm need somebody to help with certain situations as part of your like power a, team. Yeah, a guy like he's a guy my uncle used to like tell me collector? stories he's passed now so i can tell the story but back in the 70s he had a guy named igor and he was a biker and when the rent wasn't getting paid he sent igor in to hit him over the head with a frying pan to make sure that the tenants paid the rent the next day you know everybody needs an igor you know igor but, the you know, pan. today people are so sensitive i, I got two really like sensitive to being hit with pans. opposite spectrum things to say right now so one of them is train I believe when I talk to um, clients of mine mostly and they say to me, how should I invest in real estate? And I give them, you know, what their options are. The most, to me, the best option would be is find somebody who's a professional investor and invest with them. That's what I tell them. I say, don't go and start trying to buy properties and all these different places. I've seen people sell properties after a year and go, it's not for me too many times. And yeah. so, you know, the realtor benefits, but you know, the, the client lose money and they're trying to invest in real estate. So I say, find someone with a proven system, lend their money to them and to, you know, find someone that you trust, who's got, you know, everything like you're talking about. And, and I think that's great. And people should reach out to you if they're looking, we'll have all your uh, information in the, in the details um, if they're looking to invest. But on the other side of that, we've had now two big Ponzi scheme real estate companies go oh, belly yeah. up. The one yeah. is in the Kirkland Lakes area. We had one in Saskatchewan last year. Like yep. there's a ton of promissory notes. I'm in a couple groups right now where people aren't getting paid back their promissory notes. And they're all like, oh my God, what do I do? And everyone's like, nothing. Because <laughs> you don't have much of a leg to stand on. So how do you feel about this? Because there's obviously a lot of risk investing in real estate. When you're dealing with this um, promissory note stuff, they're not accredited investors. They're just random people who this is like their life savings. Uh, give me your thoughts. 
So for me, um, our investors are our family and friends. So it's our inner circle, right? So for me, like it would be someone sort of asking questions for, you know, I share my journey on social media and I don't really. So for me, they see what I'm doing. They see a proof of concept and they trust me as a person. So they've known me for many, for many years, right? But they don't understand in the investing world. So I, I on social media, I educate my, you know, my, my uh, friends and family and, and, and people to say, this is what I'm working on. And I show them almost like um, a reality TV show, right? I show them, hey, this is what we're working with. These are the challenges. So I'm I'm very real. So I show, I kind of unveil the curtain to like what goes on into how we do this and how it happens. And I'm going to give you an example. We just closed on a sixplex with uh, an investor, which is a friend of mine that like a, like a second secondary tier, like a friend of a friend. They've been watching my journey for a year and a half before this. You know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to take action. So um you know, I always lead with honesty. So for me, it's like, I don't approach people. They kind of come to me and then we build a relationship first. So um, they don't come to me and say, here's my money. Um, let's, I want to invest in your deals. They come to me and say, Hey, what are you about? Um, let's cultivate this relationship. So it can take a year or two years. And then once that trust is built, and then in the meantime, I'm still making moves. I'm still proving to them that I'm able to turn a deal around and make a profit during the economic downturn. So it's, it starts with the trust in the relationship, because if I don't, tr if I don't trust anybody, someone, even like if they want to invest with me, I would say no to them. I would say no more than I would say yes. So I'm very specific in who we invest with. And for us, it's more of a, a long-term gr growing together. And I do hear a lot of noise in the social media regarding, um, you know, investors going, you know, having challenges and such. The reality is that we are in a recession or we are, you know, experiencing recession. And it's not just happening in real estate. It's happening everywhere. You know, I'm in a consumer packaged goods. So we we produce products for Walmart, Costco, multi-million dollar products, right? Every single company is struggling. If you're not in uh essentials, food, uh necessities, if your commodity is not inelastic, you're going to suffer because there's companies that are closing down. Like Shopify just laid off a bunch of people. RBC, there's, it's industry-wide, right? So the way I see is like when the economy is doing well, where obviously when COVID was happening, everyone's celebrating, everyone's partnering, everyone's making money, you know, popping champagnes. But now that the economy is is sort of struggling, then now you can see like the, 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 the oil or the, the, Debris is coming to light where you can see like who is in it for the real deal or who is just in it for the scheme, right? So mm -hmm. that's when you can see honestly um, the true essence of each company, how resilient they are during the recession and how they can make it through the other side. So that's kind of how I see it. So right now you feel like the companies who are surviving this are the ones who are actually... Um living by their fundamentals and their and their principles in yeah. order to be successful. And the companies who weren't, those are the ones. And Daryl's world is like this too. Like the developers right now that we were just talking before you got on, like there's a ton of receivership uh, prop under, under receivership properties for sale right now that are development lands that were um, bought 
however long ago and that they were putting under application and they maybe got approved or they maybe were close to getting approved, but the lender just ran out of money. And obviously it was a house of cards and with the rising interest rates, they couldn't carry it anymore. Investors are the same. So I think that would be maybe something to caution people with is, you know, how big is the investor? Because the bigger it is, I think the more risk you've got when it comes to that type of situation, you know, if they're like, we have 400 rentals in Northern Ontario. Yeah. It's like, hmm, so do you really know all those tenants in 400 rentals? Have you really vetted them? So that's why I treat uh, investing as a business, right? It's not just, oh, buy a property, let it appreciate. I treat it as a business. So that's why you mentioned TK, cash flow is so important. That's the cushion I have to ensure that my properties can sustain the fluctuations of the market, right? Because if you're just buying on appreciation, that's speculation. That's you just uh, hoping and praying that it will go up, right? The appreciation. So for me, buying a business that can cash flow and sustain itself, regardless whether I'm making $200 or $600 cash flow, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I can just let it ride for the unforeseeable future. And the lesson here is that do not over leverage, do not refinance so many times to pull equity and scale too fast. Because mm -hmm. like you said, the house of cards will come cracking, crashing down. So for me, um, refinance once, stabilize, and then wait. Don't try to mm -hmm. refinance again and then buy another property. So that's kind of how we're mitigating the risk right now. So yeah, last I, question. I, I have a note here that that uh, there was an article I read that basically was complaining that too many investors own homes, right? And uh and and all I'm hearing with with the whole conversation is that is that I think, and I, I could be totally wrong, is that the incentives for people that are willing to do the the work, the hard work, and, and like you're doing, the incentives are pushing people like you towards all these houses and smaller sixplexes and things like this, rather than push like with your talent and your abilities, what you could do with a purpose built rental building, right? would be wonderful, but the incentives are not there for somebody like you to even think about that. But all the effort that you, you or people like you, and, and this is not, this is not a bad thing. This is just the way that the system works. Like you're doing a bang up job. You got what 13 properties or deals that you've done. You're making money for people all over the place. Like, this is wonderful. People like you should be somehow um, incentivized to do bigger things, to get more units on the market for more people quicker. Am I missing something, TK? No, you're right. And I think that's her, her, That's part of my question, actually, is what are your goals, Trang? What are your long-term goals? My long-term goals? Um, honestly, the sky is the limit. So, um, you know, I know I, I just want to mention, like, there's a lot of negativity right now regarding um, immigration. You know, people are like, oh, Canada sucks. I came here for school and, I'm, like, I'm living in under negative such horrible conditions but i want to say that under a bridge <laughs> under a bridge so i want to say that you know um my family are actually refugees in fact immigrants from the 1990s we fled vietnam after the vietnam war and uh we sailed on a boat for 30 days holy cow so during uh after the vietnam war there was mass exodus because there was a humanitarian crisis where almost a million people from Vietnam fled the country because there was, uh, you know, conflict and, you know, communism at the time. So my family was actually um, one of them in the late 80s. So for me, 
um, we, you know, my dad sacrificed this because he believed in the Canadian dream, or would you say American dream? He wanted, he wanted the Canadian dream for us. He wanted so, to go to America is what you were saying. Yeah, though. they wouldn't and let him in. And they're <laughs> yeah, like, they're oh, going you know We'll settle for this other country that looks like America. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so, so you know, we were refugees and we were, you know, we had to leave our country sacrificing everything we had with just the clothes on our backs. Um, and we, United Nation was accepting refugees at the time. So um, we fled, fled to Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong, we were put into refugee camps. So the refugees camp, so you imagine like a huge football field with a warehouse and huge barbed wires it practically like jail but you don't even get your private space right um yes because my dad really believed in the the canadian dream he said that canada is a land of opportunities there is no bottom in canada i'm like what do you mean dad there's no bottom he's like yeah the worst that can happen is you can be in welfare <laughs> it's like what what is welfare dad he's like it's true so you can't be homeless. So if you can be in welfare, if this is the the land of opportunity, the world is full of endless possibilities. So he almost gave me this, um, he instilled this in me, right? So having that sort of hunger and having gone through the sort of first wave of like the real um, refugees in the 1990s into Canada, my mindset is very different. I have a different perspective on being an immigrant because you know Canada gave me that opportunity to thrive right my parents were in survival mode they came here with nothing on their backs working three jobs giving me the opportunity to thrive so I'm thriving in real estate you know I grew up in Jane and Finch I didn't have anything but how was I able to grow my portfolio in a year it's because I was given that opportunity, regardless of who you are. You, if, if you know the code, if you can crack the code, you can make it happen, right? So I'm mm -hmm. not a, I'm not a, a person of my circumstances. I made something of something that Canada gave me. So that's my perception on Canada. I know there's a lot of negativity, but it's about perspective for me, right? Beautiful, and we love yeah. Canada too. And I think that the, the some of the people <laughs> coming here are also place. in that um camp where they're 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 new to canada and yeah they got lots to complain about here but they're also very thankful for it and that most of the people i hear complaining about canadians canada are canadians they don't really have that perspective but there are some new canadians complaining i'm not going to say and all these big absolutes but train um can you give us a little bit of a shameless plug here where, where people can find you uh so that they can follow you and connect with you and maybe get some help from you where can people find you on your social media? Yeah, you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm mostly active on Instagram. It's M How Her uh, Investments. So I guess you can kind of put the we'll put a link in link the below, uh, details. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but for people just listening, uh, there you have it. There's Train, and you guys can connect with her. Thank you so much, Train. This has Thank been awesome. Thank you so much for guys for having me. It was yeah, a lot of fun. You're amazing. Okay, great. Bye.